The Shady Hoosier Detective Agency Ghost Busting Mystery Episode 11 Chapter 11 I woke up with Vini sitting on my bed poking at me. You awake? Ruby Jane, you awake? I rolled over and eyed her. Dang it, Vini, I am now. We got to go over to Pokey's. I rubbed my eyes. They were fuzzy with sleep. I clicked on the bedside lamp. What time is it? Night time. What's this about? You hungry? I sat up and shucked off my sleeping pants. I pulled on a pair of jeans and an Indiana State sweatshirt from the rocker by my bed. I always dumped my clothes on the rocker on the way to bed. Most women my age folded their clothes neatly at bedtime. I'd given up on all that neat stuff during menopause. During menopause, everything fell apart on me. I figured it was no use trying to project orderliness, what with my body and the whole universe conspiring against me. I decided to join hands with the chaos. I'd been much happier since. Junior called. Needs a ride home from Pokey's. Someone stole his Harley. Oh, for Pete's sake. He sure it was stolen? Last time he called like this, he'd just forgotten where he parked it. He sounds stoned. I let my hands fumble over the nightstand, searching for my eyeglasses. He sounded like he always sounded, whiny. I told him to call up one of them goobers. You mean Ubers? Yeah, but he says they won't come out to Pokey's no more. They got robbed too many times. Says his new friend needs a place to crash, too. Could we take him in? Lordy, where are we going to hang another living soul? The hallway closet? I slid my feet into my sneakers. They were flowered canvas slip-ons. I was past the age when I wanted to bend down and tie my shoes every day. Maybe he's a little person. He might fit in the dryer. Vini seemed awake and eager to chat. We got any emergency money in the cookie jar? She sat on the edge of the bed and swung her little feet back and forth, scaring up some dust bunnies. Some, I said. I wasn't going to ask why she asked that question, because I already knew. I trotted to the kitchen, Vini in tow. I fished into the cookie jars we went out by the back kitchen door. I pulled out a twenty and a couple of crumpled ones. Not much, but more than we had in there for a couple of months. Dode's ghost problem had plumped up our Twinkie fund. Vini plucked the bills out of my hand. Could use me a cheesy mystery meat sub. Some fat onion rings. Make the trip downtown worth the effort. She smoothed the bills and tucked them neatly into her bra. Pokey's Tavern and Pool Hall is in an old brick building built in 1896. It was the only business in Nobby Waters, other than the First National Bank, that had never gone bankrupt or been closed. My daddy used to say if you had to invest in something, invest in good liquor, because no matter how bad times got, men would always find the money for a cold one. People bought liquor in good times to celebrate their lives. 
and in bad times to commiserate. Five generations of Nobby Waters patrons had worn the wooden bar stools to a shine inside Pokey's. When we strutted into Pokey's, it was after one in the morning. The crowd was thin. Not like it was ever that thick, mind you. Except for March Madness during the basketball playoffs. That time of year, men tumbled like dung beetles over each other trying to get into the bar. Fistfights broke out over a prime bar stool to sit and watch the action on the big screen that hung on rusty old tractor tire chains from the rafters. The air inside Pokey's was thick with smoke and the smell of fried onions. The glow of neon from the tavern sign and the beer ads lit up the place in red and green streaks. The jukebox was on and Kenny Rogers was wailing. The sound of pool balls cracking together ricocheted through the smoke. Harry, the boss, and Candy, the medium, were holed up in a corner booth making out. Harry's hat was on the table. A row of dirty highball glasses lined the lip of the booth. A mess of dirty dishes, a half-eaten red plastic basket of onion rings, and a greasy trail of used paper napkins spilled across the tabletop. Vini made a disgusting sucking sound as we walked up to Harry's booth. Candy popped up for air. Howdy, gals. She looked like a heartbroken raccoon. Her eyeliner was running. She finger-fluffed her red hair, which was mashed down on one side from working her way up Harry's skinny neck like a human hoover. Harry waved a bottle of Schlitz at us. His tie was loose, his jacket and vest were off, and his shirt was unbuttoned down to his sternum. He was one of those guys who had a freckled, smooth chest. Vini eyed Candy. We got the seance all set up with Dode for tomorrow night. Me and R.J. will pick you up at the moon glow, long about seven. Candy pulled a cigarette out from a silver case in her tiny purse. You gals got cash money? Sure. Can I see it? She held her hand out, palm up. She rubbed her fingers together. Nope, said Vini. Why not? It's in the bank. Harry will write you a check once we get the ghost talking. This here is a business transaction. We pay on satisfactory completion of service. Harry raised his beer. I'm good for it, baby. Fergie Jr. was fooling around up on the music stage. He was breaking down the microphone and speakers. A guy next to Junior was sliding his guitar into a battered case that was plastered with 70s band stickers. Yo, Ma, Junior waved. Thanks for the ride. What in the name of Sam Hill happened to your hog? asked Vini. Junior shrugged. I parked in the alley next to the dumpster. It's gone now. He shuffled around, disconnecting the mics. You sure about that? Cause the last time you called us for a ride, that Harley was parked over at the bank right where you left it. I'm sure. Don't I look sober to you? 
he stepped up and whipped off his green John Lennon glasses. His blue eyes were a little bloodshot, but the pupils were normal, not fly specks or full dark moons. Even his reddish mustache looked straight and sober, neatly trimmed on the ends for a change. The man who'd been packing up his guitar behind Junior stepped forward and offered his hand to Vini. I'd seen him sneaking in and out of Junior's basement hidey-hole twice during the last week. Pleased to meet you, ma'am. I'm Darnell. Darnell Zykes, from down around Washington County. Darnell was short and pudgy with one lazy brown eye. He wore plaid, white and blue pedal pushers and a wife-beater t-shirt that read, Save a horse, ride a redneck. His feet were stuffed into Dr. Scholl's slide sandals. White, athletic tube socks puddled around his thick ankles. His face looked like someone had mashed gravel into his cheeks. His gray hair, held back by a yellow paisley bandana, was stringy and tangled like a well-used mop head. Tiny, Willie Nelson-style pigtails framed the side of his face. Vini eyed Darnell. Aren't you a little old for rock and roll? Darnell puckered up. He toked on a lit doobie he snagged from a nearby ashtray. His eyes squinted against the smoke. I don't know. Let me consult with Mick Jagger. Get back to yon that granny. He coughed out a laugh. He's the same age as me, Ma, said Junior, as he slipped into a sleeveless jean jacket. A puff of reddish-gray hair, like a mouse, stuck up in the V of his high-powered black T-shirt. Like I said, grumbled Vini. Junior shuffled his feet. It okay if Darnell crashes with us a few days? He's passing through. Filling in for Eddie. What the heck is wrong with Eddie? I was tempted to add, now, because my grown son always moped around. He was pushing 50. Like Junior, he'd somehow got the notion in his head that life was supposed to be a heap of fun. He wrote poetry and cried an awful lot for a grown guy. I'd never known what to do for him. God bless his little achy, breaky heart. Uh, nothing wrong, not really, said Junior. I mean, he's just feeling poorly. His gal dumped him. Didn't know he had a gal, I said. Well, he don't now. Vini was sitting on a stool at the bar, chatting up the owner of Pokey's Tavern, Pokey Tatlock. She was putting in her takeout order for a mystery meat sub and some fat, hot, greasy onion rings. Pokey had huge blue anchors tattooed on each bicep, like Popeye. Busty mermaids swung on the anchors. He was as tall and broad-shouldered as a football player. He was the type of guy who loved many, but married none. At least 13 kids in Pawpaw County had his chin dimple, but not a single woman ever wore his wedding ring. His hair was jet black, and he kept it greased back like a 60s heartthrob. 
A spit curl fell over his forehead in a Clark Gable devilish sort of way. He was growing white at the temples, but that didn't seem to affect his popularity with the women. I went over to see what Vini was up to while I waited for Junior and Darnell to pack up the band. They got free food, a sort of all-you-can-stomach buffet deal, in exchange for playing at pokies. They were snorting up the leftovers on the hot bar. Darnell was busy spearing onion rings on his pudgy fingers, shoveling them down his pie hole. Between bites, Darnell was squirting ketchup into his mouth. Junior took to imitating him. I hope to God they didn't up Chuck in the Impala on the way home. Ruby Jane, said Pokey. He grabbed my hand in a hearty, two-handed shake. Looking good, gal. You too, Pokey. What's the news? Got nothing on you two. Saw that piece in the squealer. Ghost-bustin', man. You gals really know how to party. It's Vini, I said. Trouble follows her around like a piglet waddling after its mama. Vini grinned. It's my special talent. Say, said Pokey, I got me a mystery. Maybe you two gals could help me solve it. Lay it on us. Someone's been breaking into my back pantry, eating my profits. I can show you if you got a minute. He hitched his thumb toward the back pantry. Dinner's on me, if you'll have a look. Pokey popped up the hinged part of the bar, and we scooted under and followed him past the potato chip racks and candy bar displays toward the kitchen. We went through the kitchen where his mom, Dolly, was shaking the onion ring fryers and using a spatula to beat on some mystery meat. She was a tiny woman, older than us. She was wearing a Marilyn Monroe blonde wig and smoking a Virginia Slim cigarette. She was wearing cat-eye glasses that were greased over with fryer spittle. Her earrings dangled like fishing lures from her earlobes. She had to stand on a step stool to reach the grill. Dolly tossed us a wave, but kept right on working the grill and fryer with both hands as we slid by. Your mom is looking mighty good, I said to Pokey. I keep telling her she don't need to work no more. Me and the boys can support her, but she loves to work. Always thinking up new surprise dishes. Last week, she made an apple, Snickers bar, and baby marshmallows salad with an Oreo crumble crust. Boy, that stuff flew out of the refrigerator. Sorry I missed that, said Vini. Sounds healthy. Got all your basic food groups. Nothing healthier than apples and nuts. And chocolate, that's a health food now, too. We were standing in the pantry. The back door opened out into the alley. A little side window was cracked open, letting in air. Several businesses, including the Hoosier Feedback Grocery and the Sheriff's Office, shared those dumpsters with the tavern. The pantry was narrow and tall. One side was lined with shelves covered in tacked-down oilcloth. Pokey stored trays of buns, big white buckets of potatoes, and institutional-sized bags of sugar and flour on the shelves. 
A CN sliding door refrigerator held tomatoes, lettuce, slaw, mayonnaise, giant yellow cheese food loaves, and a couple of gallons of iced tea with lemon wedges floating in them like little yellow canoes. A white lowboy freezer held, I was guessing, meat patties and bags of onion rings and other fried food delicacies. Several dented, untapped kegs of beer were rolled tight to the wall. Vini eyed it all. What's the problem? This here is the problem, said Pokey. He shoved aside some giant plastic bottles of ketchup. We stared at a bag of hot dog buns that had been ripped open. Bun pieces were tossed everywhere. A supersized bag of barbecue chips had been ripped wide open. The shelf was dusted in red barbecue powder. Pokey shook his head. Mama cleaned up most of the mess. It's like this every morning. Some mornings worse. Been going on all week. Plus, he walked over to the low boy freezer and popped open the lid. Cold steam rolled out. We're missing several bags of mystery meat. Vini had to stand on tiptoe to see in the freezer. Her glasses frosted over. She took them off and wiped them on her shirt tail. Varmints? Nah, said Pokey as he slammed shut the freezer lid. Varmints couldn't open the freezer and take out the meat. I looked around the freezer, then behind it. They take the bags whole? No sign they are dragging them out and eating them here? Pokey shook his head. Vini pointed to some tiny footprints in the barbecue powder on the shelf and some nibbled holes in the bun's plastic bags. Looks mousy to me. Sure, confirmed Pokey. I mean, we got mice who don't, but that don't explain the missing meat. It'd take an army of mice to spring that freezer and shoulder out those bags. Those bags are clean gone. Where'd they go? I eyed the little window at the far end of the pantry. It was open an inch or so, too small for a grown person to climb through. You leave that window open at night? Sure. During the day, we blow it wide open. Open the door into the kitchen, too, so Mama can get a breeze going. Don't want her fainting going face down into a fryer. I eyed the distance between the window and door. It's a small window. Wouldn't stop the dumpster raccoons, though. They could reach right in, twist open the doorknob. Vini nodded. She's right. Raccoons have them creepy little hands. They can open refrigerators, open jars. We had a pack once that got in at the VFW, opened all the jars of peanut butter. Came in one morning, found a pair of them sitting on the kitchen table with five-gallon peanut butter jars stuck on their heads. Pokey crossed his arms and his tattooed mermaids wiggled. How do you explain this? Can a raccoon do this? He walked over to the metal keg nearest the door. There was a puddle of yellow beer on the floor. I saw instantly what he meant. The keg had been tapped. Someone had taken off the cardboard protective cover and screwed down a tap system and pumped up some beer. The floor was puddled with overflow. Vini inspected the tap. Somebody sure knew what he was doing. 
Yeah, said Pokey. It's a neat tap. Also, Beanie eyed the other kegs. They got taste. They tapped the PBR. That's the good stuff. Pokey wiped his hands on his apron. He shut the door to the pantry as he let us out. You gals think you can solve this here mystery? Sure, said Vini, as Dolly handed us a white paper bag with the top neatly rolled down. It contained our to-go order. The onion rings were already staining the bag with giant spots of grease. Let us think on it for a spell. You got it, said Pokey. And hey, he said as he swatted Vini on the ass. Don't be strangers. I owe you gals, and Big Pokey always pays his bills.